Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Imagine a world where the phone doesn't ring, but tenant leads still get pre-qualified and scheduled. Where in-person showings get coordinated automatically in real time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Where occupants and owners are automatically notified of showings and leasing reports. Or imagine, no one has to show your rentals and they get leased faster than ever, safely and securely. That's the world of Tenant Turner. Come learn more about our beautiful scheduling software and world-class customer support. Call us, 888-976-4638 or visit www.tenantturner.com. Choose Seacoast Commerce Bank as your property management bank of choice. Seacoast Commerce Bank specializes in trust accounts and business banking for property managers. One of their best features is a cash analysis program where they can assist in paying your property management-related invoices. Contact Allison at 619-988-6708 to learn more. And be sure to listen to the Property Management Mastermind Podcast, episode number 26, about Seacoast Commerce Bank. All right, everybody, welcome. Welcome to another edition of the Property Management Mastermind Show. I'm your host, Brad Larson. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about managing homes in a no-touch world, and it's just going to be a monologue, so I don't even need my earphones in, so let's get to it. Now, what we want to talk about, at least I'm going to talk about, is what we've done here at RentWorks to go ahead and uh, create a no-touch leasing management situation, and we did this years ago, right? Years ago, not just last week because of the COVID-19 epidemic that's going on, the pandemic that's going on. Uh, We've all heard about this, so there's lots of talk about self-assisted showings. There's lots of talk about no-touch leasing, move-outs, all these other things. I'm going to go through the entire life cycle of managing homes in a no-touch world. Everything from showings to leasings to applications to everything. All right, let's, let's get down to it. At the beginning of this life cycle, you're going to have basically owner interaction. So there's going to be a situation to where you may or may not be able to meet the owner in person to potentially sign up and start to manage their home. So that aside, you know, that can quickly be done via Zoom, that can be done via Google Hangouts, that can be done via phone call, and then agreements can be signed electronically. This is nothing new, okay? This is not a challenge for a lot of uh, management companies to get through is because normally we're used to meeting face-to-face. But in this situation, because of the pandemic going on, uh, these owners might be out of town, out of state, and you can't meet with them in person. So what do you do? You do everything via phone or Zoom and remote and signatures. Okay, that's easy stuff. Where it gets a little bit more difficult and where we have to kind of change our mindset is getting to the point where we can start to lease homes in a no-touch situation. So it starts with the showings, okay? Assume you have the home under management. Assume you have it vacant and made ready. It starts with the showings. So first thing, you got to have a vacant home. And so you may have to change some of your processes and procedures to ensure that you only market vacant homes. And so what we did years ago is we just basically created a policy that says we're only going to market vacant homes. And so we basically said in letters to our owners, 
I'm going to go through step-by-step step the owner's benefits of what we sent to our owners to say, hey, we're no longer going to be marketing homes the last 30 days. We're going to be marketing your home once it's vacant. So it starts with, we market a move-in ready home. Okay, that's the first thing. You guys know that if a tenant is occupying the home, it's not move-in ready. The tenant has to vacate the home, got to make ready the home, and then move them in. Okay, so we market a move-in ready home, which means if the home is not renting, you always know it's at least one thing, one thing only, and that's going to be the price. Next, the lived-in condition of the home with the tenant. Obviously, if the tenant's still living in the home and you're trying to show the home the last 30 days, it's going to be lived in. You can try to incentivize the tenants as much as you want, but you're losing potential clout on the market. And you're also, you're ticking off your tenants if you haven't realized that, because if you're a tenant, you don't want to put up with the showings. So you're forcing other tenants to do the same thing. Another one is the home shows better, clearly. So if your prospective applicants walk in to a home with an occupying tenant and there's dirty diapers and dirty towels and dirty sinks everywhere, you have nobody to blame but yourself because tenants are like everybody else. They're going to have you know, busy days and challenges with their own life. They're not going to be motivated to keep your home spotless clean. So it'll show tip top like an owner would if they were selling the home as in parallel. What if the home goes stale, such as what if it goes past X days on the market, then you know what it is. If the home is vacant, move in ready, you know that it's going to be the price. You can adjust fire on the price. Privacy concerns. A lot of tenants nowadays don't want their privacy invaded. They don't want people to look at their homes. They don't want somebody to walk in and start nosing around. They don't want to have those people in their homes. And so I think this is going to be a bigger uh, challenge for managers to try and do it the old way because tenants are going to start to push back and say they don't want their privacy invaded. The other part of this, and this is deep, okay, so bear with me, is in some aspects, you could be violating the Deceptive Trades and Practices Act if you're using old marketing materials to market a home, or even if you allow them to see the home 30 days from lease in with an occupying tenant, they could be leasing the home thinking it's going to be perfectly made ready and all this other things, and they walk into the home and it's basically as they saw it, but with a tenant in place. They could push that and file a Deceptive Trades and Practices Act lawsuit against the management company because you didn't show them the actual product they were leasing. You showed them an occupied product. Okay, I know that's far-reaching, but it is a a possibility and a potential. What if the tenant holds over on the lease agreement? What are you going to do? So that's a challenge in itself. You've already accepted a new applicant. You've already signed a lease agreement. You've already taken security deposits, and now a tenant decides to hold over. That causes a severe problem. It causes a severe problem with the tenant. You have to go after the existing tenant. You have to go to a potential new applicant tenant that may have a new signed lease agreement, and you have to work with them on either pushing the lease back and or you have to let them out of the lease agreement. Now, they might get in serious uh, concern, let's say, and lawyer up and come after you for whatever they can come after you with. And so that causes a severe problem when you have a tenant, outgoing tenant, to hold over the lease agreement. Be very careful with that. Another one, current lease enforcement. If you have to currently enforce the lease agreement today, it's going to put you in a very awkward position six months from now, three months from now, when you have to show a vacant property. That's going to put you in a very awkward position because now you're asking the tenant to play nice with you, but yet 30 days ago, you were screaming at him for the the basketball goal that was outside the home. You see where I'm going? The current lease enforcement, it puts you in an awkward position because now you have to be Mr. Nice Person to work with the existing tenant to finagle them to show the home. That puts you in a very weak position to enforce the lease agreement, which you're neglecting your owner. The owner's your number one client in that regard. 
And if you have to bend over or take it nice on an existing tenant because you want to show the property, that puts you in a very weak position for any sort of lease enforcement. Then you talk about disgruntled tenants. When you're showing an occupied home, you have disgruntled tenants that are going to do nothing but talk bad about you, the landlord, the neighborhood, everything they can because they're ticked off. What if you give somebody a notice to vacate or a non-renewal and then now you're trying to show the property with a disgruntled tenant in there? All they're going to do is grab the existing applicant or wannabe applicant or existing showing and say nothing but bad things about you and your company and the landlord. How is that a win for you? It's not. So you're going to have disgruntled tenants that you have to deal with. And I would just recommend don't. Don't deal with it. What about lost rent? So you, you, the bottom line is you're going to have managers and or landlords say that they want to rent the home the last 30 to 60 days of the lease agreement with an occupied tenant because they feel that they're minimizing any lost rent. My argument is you are maximizing the potential for income and renting the home faster. Now, we can split hairs about this all day long, but I argue if you market a vacant, move-in ready home, it's arguably going to rent faster than any of the scenarios I just painted. So if you have a home on the market and it's 15 days in the market with an existing tenant still in the home, they're disgruntled, they leave the home a mess, and now they finally vacate 30 days and it takes you five, 10 days to do a make ready. So now your home's basically on the market for 40 days with no applicants. Anybody who looks at it says, why? What's wrong with that home? Is there something wrong with it? 40 days in the market? I don't even want to go look at it. Must be something wrong with it. So you're, you're actually putting the home in a bad position. And again, I would argue that you can rent the home faster when you don't have an occupying tenant. Okay. So that's the first part. Now, showings. How can you actually conduct showings with an unoccupied home? And we always recommend there's two to three different real good vendors out there that will do unaccompanied self-assisted showings with you. That's, you know, no preference of order. I do recommend Tenant Turner, but Tenant Turner, Showmojo, Rentley are the three that I know of. And potentially you could even do this yourself if you wanted to do uh, in some sort of fashion, like, you know, you could do it yourself if you really wanted to. But we use Tenant Turner. Uh, we used all three. That seems to be the best solution for us. And the way it works is somebody decides they want to show your home. They call in and or text in and you get information from that particular applicant. And you basically get a driver's license. You get information, you get a phone number, you get an email and you give them the combination, could be a rolling combination to a, uh, a sentry lockbox or some sort of other lockbox. And then they access the home that way. Now, there's a couple of ins and outs that you want to be aware of. And so, you know, we actually ended up going back to mechanical lockboxes earlier this year. The uh, system that we were using with the lockboxes that we had in place that were the sky, you know, talking lockboxes, those ended up just not working for us. And so without having to say a lot, I would just say we felt the mechanical lockbox was a better solution. Is it as secure? No. But when our, our showing agents had to start taking spare batteries with them on every single showing because the lockboxes were just failing, it, it turned into be a bad situation. When other companies outside of RentWorks were not showing our properties because they figured our lockboxes weren't going to work, they were working only maybe half the time, then that was a bad solution. So mechanical lockboxes work 99.9% .9 of the time. The other solution on the sky and the, the pie in the sky lockboxes that talk to you know the satellites and all that good stuff, those work, but when they're working three quarters of the time or less, it was not a good solution for us. So we switched back to mechanical lockboxes. 
Yes, we can argue there could be some liability there. Yes, somebody could break in. But, you know, if somebody wants to break in the home gang, this has always been our attitude. They're going to kick in the back door. They're going to break the back window and access the home, regardless of the lockbox, regardless of the sign, regardless of the, the, the measures you try to put in place to eliminate the fraud that can happen. And fraud can happen in any lockbox scenario, any showing scenario, any scenario where there's a vacant home. Fraud can happen. You cannot get away from it. You can take preventative measures, but no matter what, it's still going to be there. And there can be fraud in any situation. So the other side of that is once a tenant, or excuse me, once an applicant shows the property, okay, they've shown the property themselves, they let themselves in, you've given them the lockbox code, they let themselves in, they take a look at it, uh, then you have to follow up with them. That's where we recommend calling them. Okay, text messages turn into white noise, physically pick up the phone or hire a remote team member to call them as soon as that showing window is over. And then talk to them through, uh, you know, ask the questions. Did you lock up the property? Did you turn the lights off? Do you need some assistance in applying for that property? Do you have any feedback on what that property looked like? Let us help you. That's where you can follow up with them via phone call to get the most out of that showing at the end. Phone call, phone call, phone call. The text messages are fine. Emails are fine. But give them a phone call, maybe a follow-up text message. That's how you ensure the property was locked, the lights were turned off, all the things at the end. Because guess what? Realtors still turn lights, leave lights on and realtors still uh, leave doors unlocked. I mean, these things happen. So you're taking your chances either way. And I would argue financially, you're better off to do the unaccompanied vacant home showings. Now let's get into the big part of that, which I didn't mention. And the other part is the safety factor. Okay. So here we are in the pandemic. We have this no touch solution of not meeting somebody at the home, not exposing yourself to somebody you don't know. That's the pandemic safety. Let's talk the violent safety, right? So there's a big, you know, obviously this has been going around for years, how the, the features of this particular showing model benefits the showing agents because they don't have to go physically show the home in person, which doesn't put them at risk. It doesn't put them at risk from attack or any other worst thing you can think of. You're putting people at risk when you put them into the field, into an unknown situation, into an unknown home, into somebody they just met potentially via one phone call right? Because in the, in the world of real estate and real tours, uh, they'll do open houses. Yeah. But they're also going to do opportunity time on the phones. And somebody will call them up for whatever brokerage is out there and say, I saw a rental property over here at 123 Main Street. And the agent being excited, being young, being aggressive will run out and show the property. If they're leasing agents, that's going to be their job. And so they're not, they're not going to turn somebody down and they're going to get the minimum information. They're going to get a phone number and a name and maybe an email. If you really want to go next level, maybe they'll get a driver's license via text message or email. But essentially, a lot of times, all that is thrown aside, and they're hustling to show these properties. And so it might be to the point, also, time savings matter. You're asking an agent to drive 20, 30, an hour across town to show one property, and then you're trying to meet another person there who may have to drive 20, 30 minutes, an hour across town to meet you to show the property. You're trying to get two meeting factors in place with all the traffic and try to meet out time at four o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, well, good luck in four o'clock traffic and all that mess that it can, it can bring into it. Uh, the time saving factor alone is more than enough to consider on top of the safety, on top of the convenience, on top of what you would want. If you are an applicant, think of this property management company owners and operators is if you were a tenant, what do you want? You want to wait for some agent to meet you there 
Or do you want to just show the property on your own, get in, take a look. Okay, this works, that works, it doesn't work. Get out there, call back again. I want to bring my significant other, I'll show them the property, get in, get out, look at it. Okay, great. That's what you want. You don't want to be walked through a home and told by a realtor that the place with a stove and a refrigerator and a sink, this is the kitchen. Oh, welcome to our new home. It's lovely in here, don't you think? And here's the kitchen. You can tell by it's got a stove and a refrigerator and a washer. And anyway, we always make fun of these TV shows that people walk through and, and they show this is the kitchen. And, you know, obviously it's a kitchen. All right, enough on that. Tenants not changing their air filters, costly HVAC repairs and unhappy owners got you down. Filter Easy is a subscription air filter delivery service that solves this problem by shipping filters directly to the tenant's front door when it's time to change. Tenants actually change them, which reduces HVAC-related maintenance calls by an average of 30%. Filter Easy's no-cost-use solution functions as a profit center to give you back time and money. Call 1-800-308-1186 today to learn more. The reasons to justify to the owners is going to be something that you need to put in writing. And so the, the initial pushback on only showing vacant homes is going to come from the owners. Once you get through that hurdle, the agents that you work with are going to love it. They can still work. Leasing agents can still earn commissions, right? Maybe they don't have to work as hard to get those. You just have to be careful of the ghost showings. Okay. So here's the, hear me out on this. Um, one of the business aspects of doing self-assisted, unaccompanied, vacant home showings is the ghost factor, meaning co-broker realtors, licensed realtors from other companies and, and possibly your company, they're going to give out codes and or just call RentWorks, go show the property and tell them I sent you in your application, even though that realtor never showed the property. This has been happening for decades, right? Not just with my company or any other company out there, but with the apartment industry stuff. You know, if, you, if you're an apartment locator, that's what they do. They send somebody over to an apartment complex. They say to the uh, potential applicant, put my name down on a registration card that I sent you there. They lease the property. The apartment locator system gets a commission. Same concepts going on here with co-brokering on these vacant home unassisted showings is that realtors have figured, out the, game, figured the game out. They can call in or and or have their client call in get that code information, pass that code information along to the prospective applicant, have them show the property, basically where the realtor is not there, okay? And a lot of this, the policies that we have are, we're only going to pay a commission if the realtor opens the door, right? A lot of us have that same policy. Well, we're getting these ghost showings and we're getting these realtors that never showed the property, they're putting in for these commissions and we feel that they actually never assisted that client. They just met that client on the interweb somehow, arranged for a couple showings and got them in and they're going to try and make an easy, quick commission. So you got to be careful of the ghost showings. Okay. I don't have the solution on that. I would think a lot of places you could make them register. You could make them um, make the tenant sign something or click something on the application that says, Joe Bob Realtor actually showed me the home in person. I mean, there's lots of things you can do. There's never a perfect solution, but you just got to be aware of, there's got to be a way in your market that you can be uh, cognizant of the ghost showing methods. Okay. Now applicant sees the property. Applicant loves the property. Applicant wants to apply. This is getting into easy territory. Online applications. If you're not on online applications at this point, you're behind the curve because they've been around for years and they're really good. 
Uh, there's all kinds of good vendors out there. Uh, we, we've been using Rent Screener, which is a PMW product. Now that is outside of our software. So we have to do some redundant double entry. However, I really like that Rent Screener platform. You can tweak it and modify it and customize it to do whatever you like. It ties into TransUnion tenant score, not just a credit score. It ties into the TransUnion tenant score, which is a combination of credit and rental history tied into create a tenant score. You can do this. So we like that product. And then it gets into the age old debate of first come, first served, and or best qualified. So there's never a right answer to this. The only answer that I will give you is that whatever you decide to do, put it in writing and stick to it and never deviate. That's how you create a fair housing situation that you can stand on. If your policy says that we rent to the first in the door, first in the applicant that qualifies, uh, first person that has money to the table by five o'clock, close a business on Thursday, you know, then they rent the home. Okay, whatever your policy is, just stick to it. If you take the best qualified applicant, there's got to be a time frame to that. You know, maybe you want to do one to two business days. Maybe you want to do five business days, but put it in writing and never deviate from it. Personally, I think we want to do one to two business days. We'll take applications in and we'll choose the best applicant. A lot of times my team will take an application in, look at it and say, yep, this is an outstanding application. Immediately pull the home down off the market. So that way no one else can rent it or no one else can apply for it. Excuse me. Um, that way you're not getting double or triple or quadruple applications when you already have the first one that you like in the door. So as long as you can justify that in your policies and procedures, we've been audited by the fair housing team uh, here in Texas. So I know it's above board. I know it's rock solid. We use the best qualified method. So that's the easy stuff of the applications. Next, it gets into a little bit more gray area because what we do is we then send out approval email which includes a draft lease agreement. Okay, pay attention. Include the draft lease agreement in the approval email. So when they end up turning money over to you for a security deposit and or first month's rent, that they've actually seen a draft lease with the terms included. That way, when they turn money over to you, they can't come back and say that they never saw a lease agreement. They didn't know they'd have to pay rent on the first when they're only going to be comfortable paying rent on the fifth. Those types of things will hold up the leasing process where if you don't have that up front, you took the home off the market already, remember? So if you're renting to best qualified and someone applies, you got to take the home or at least freeze the home so you don't take any more applications in and then work with the best qualified applicant that you have, give them 48 hours to give you funds, et cetera. And so we send out a draft lease agreement, all the website uh, instructions, all the uh, pay, the security deposit instructions, which leads me into another portion. So Another cool thing you can do to potentially make your system touchless is we went to a no security deposit option for preferred tenants. We call it a preferred tenant program. This preferred tenant program ties into using Obligo, myobligo.com, and they offer the no security deposit option for tenants. Now, you'll have to go through that whole system to find out the best practice for what is right in your business. We've been using it for 18 months, and about 45% of our uh applicant 45% of our signed lease agreements have been under that program of a no security deposit option using Obligo. So I think it's a good system for us. Could you do other di different methods? Sure. There's other providers out there. There's self-insured methods. Could you do any of those? Yes. But what we did is we decided to offer the preferred tenant program for the most qualified tenants. 
And that could be your filter. That could be your decision on best qualified. And you push them to do that security deposit that way. Let's assume you want to do the old school security deposit. The challenge is how do you collect that in, right? So how do you get in the security deposit while protecting your home and your owners? Do you do wires? Wires we love. However, they're expensive and some tenants may not want to do that. Some tenants may want to bring you a, a money order and or you know, cashier's check because they don't have the means or the bank account to wire. Others may want to just pay you via software. So the challenge, the trick is how do you do that in a touchless world? If you had them bring in a money order and or cashier's check, could you let them just put it in a Dropbox? Could you have them send it via FedEx overnight? Uh, could you do any sorts of different things to where they deliver it to your office somehow, deliver it to the home, or they leave it inside the home? I mean, you, you got to figure something out here. Or you take the, the, the risk of letting it run through the software. Because essentially what you could do is, and mostly softwares, you name them, you can do a move-in, and then you can send them basically an, a, a bill, an invoice, and they can pay via the software, via ACH. Now, the risk is that if the money bounces, obviously. You know, imagine if you move somebody in, you took a ACH through the software for their rent, their first month security deposit, all that stuff, three, four, five grand, and it bounces. Now you have a tenant in the home. That's the risk. Is there a perfect solution to that? No. Do you want to do that for well-qualified tenants? Maybe you make that choice. Maybe you say anybody with a 750 or more or a transunit tenant score will allow you to pay via the software online so you can move in right away. I mean, you may have to make those decisions on your own, but there is a way to do it. Wire, ACHing, you know, FedExing money orders and or cashier's checks. There's ways to do it. Okay, you just got to get creative and find out what's best for you. Now, the other side of that is once you have the deposit, once you have the funds in hand, they've already gotten a draft lease in their inbox, they reviewed it. Now it's time for you to send out an electronic signature method. And you can use DocuSign. There's other products out there. I think uh, RealPage has something that ties through property where that's a DocuSign product. Uh, there's lease agreement methods that you can use. We've been using DocuSign for years. And so it works out very well for us because you can create templates, you can send out lease agreements very quickly, and you can know when they open up the, pro the, the actual lease agreement. I mean, there's a lot of good benefit to it. Another side note, tidbit for all you gang out there, what do you do when you have to turn somebody down? This has been our method for years, is when we send somebody a adverse action letter, meaning someone applies to one of our homes and they decide, or excuse me, we decide that they're not the right applicant for us. We send them a adverse action letter, which is basically a denial letter, and you send it via DocuSign. Pay attention. Listen up. Send it via DocuSign because that letter is supposed to get to them. You can send this in the mail, but they could also say that they never received anything from you. They never got anything from you in the mail, and you may not be able to prove that. But what you can do is you can send them the DocuSign adverse action letter and as soon as they receive it and open it at all, it sends you a notice and you have tracking inside of DocuSign that they opened it. So if they come back to your company and say that they never got an adverse action letter, they're going to file a lawsuit, they're going to sue for this, that, and the other, you can say, no, no, we sent this to you at exactly this time and it shows right here via DocuSign that you opened it. That's the self-protection method. Maybe it's a little bit over the top, but we do 450 some lease agreements a year. We wanted to make sure we tighten up those processes and procedures to ensure that no applicant that we deny could come back and say that 
and try to go get some lawyer who says, oh, great, they're a big target. Let me, let me go after them for 10 grand real quick. That's how attorneys think. So we send that adverse action letter via DocuSign and highly recommend that. Mail is the preferred method you know, or the old school method. But how do you ever know? I'm sure you could send certified mail, but then it's a big headache. That's a big dang headache. And what if you have to turn down 10 applicants over one home? That's 10 letters you got to send out, 10 certified mails you got to send out. It gets really tedious and chews up a lot of your time. That's a good method on the side. So back to lease signing. You get the lease agreement ready and prepped. Now you do a DocuSign lease signing. Okay. You send them to a DocuSign. They look through it. They start to initial. They start to sign. Hold up. I got a question. Let me call the property manager. This is where I would recommend you don't offer any sort of assistance in telling them what the lease agreement means. I personally feel that if you try to explain somebody what a lease agreement is, like what portion of the paragraph you're reading, what that really means, you are essentially practicing law. You're acting as their legal guidance. I know we can split hairs on this all day long. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of property managers out there that want to sit face to face and sign the lease agreements you know, over every single line, okay, this lease, this lease, this lease. And I'm sure they have a better working relationship. I'm sure of all that. But in a no-touch world, you have to figure out a, a method to lease homes. And if you can't do it in person, then this is the best method. And I recommend never answering questions. If they ask a really, really obvious basic question, maybe reference the paragraph that it's in. When do I pay my rent? Well, reference paragraph three of the lease agreement, you'll see when your rent is due. Okay, leave it at that. If you start to say, if they start asking difficult questions, like, I don't understand this early termination clause in your lease agreement. Can you explain this to me? That's where you're getting into a gray area of practicing law. We always say, and it's in writing all over the place, get your own attorney. If you don't understand this lease agreement, lawyer up, get somebody to explain it to you. Uh, that's really not our job to explain a lease agreement to a tenant. Okay. That's my spin on the lease agreements. Once you have that DocuSign done, completed, all the bells and whistles go off in your email. You make the copies of that lease agreement, put them into your software, send those copies to the tenant. Now, how do you move them in? Old school method. You bring them to your office. Let me see your proof of insurance. Let me see your, your utilities that you've turned on. You let me see this, that, and the other, your tenant liability insurance, and then I'll give you the keys. Well, the new school method is what we're doing is we do a resident benefits package. So included in that is we have our own master policy of tenant liability insurance and renter's insurance. So we name the renter as additionally insured and RentWorks is the master policy holder. So I'm the insured, RentWorks is the insured, and the tenant coming in is the additional insured. Old school method is the exact opposite of that. You would tell them old school is that they need to go get their own renter's policy and present it to you prior to getting the keys. And so they present it to you, get the keys, turn around and cancel the insurance. Okay, that's how it works. And sure, you can say, are you going to get a notice in the mail, et cetera? But then what are you going to do? You're going to evict over noncompliance of renter's insurance? Come on. So essentially what you end up doing, this is a much better method. You make yourself the master policy holder and you name the tenant additionally insured. We do that through the resident benefits package along with the utilities. So we have a utility service provider that we engage with that utilities never turn off. So that home comes under our roles. The utilities never turn off, so the tenant doesn't have to turn those on. They basically switch billing and they pay through the billing system. So the utilities never turn off. It's a great system. I'm not going to talk a lot about that one because that's going to be good conversation for a follow-on podcast. And you can do that on your own. You could do your own utility management. Uh, you could you could make the tenant pay you. 
but I would recommend not. I would recommend using a third-party service because utilities are one of the most highly regulated business ventures in the entire country. And if you think you want to mess with it and recreate the wheel, I think you're, you're asking for an ass kicking. So don't do it. Okay. Now, lease agreements signed, money's in hand via wire and or ACH or however you've collected it. Uh, DocuSign's done, lease agreement's done. Now, how do you move them in? So remember the lockbox you have on the home that we talked about in the very first beginning of the episode? You have a vacant home, lockbox is still on the home. Get them to sign a form. The tenants will sign a lockbox move-in form. Maybe you can charge a fee for this. Hint, hint. Maybe you can charge a fee as a lockbox move-in. Maybe you want to do it out of the kindness of your own heart. But you can get them moved in via lockbox. You get them the code the day of move-in. If you want to be super generous, give it to them the day prior to move-in, right? Get it to them at midnight, the day prior. But they get them the lockbox code. They go to the property. They access the, the property via lockbox. They get in. They get their, their stuff moved in. Then you proceed to potentially meet them over there on the next day or two. Again, this is the no-touch world we're talking. You're still going to have to potentially either rekey the home prior to them moving in and or do the rekeying after they move in. So there's a challenge there. You know, If you want to rekey the home the day of move-in or the day prior to move-in, that's a no-touch environment. You can do it that way. Because you can go to the property, you can rekey it, you can set up everything, leave a brand new set of two keys in the lockbox, maybe even change the lockbox code, right? You can do that. Brand new set of pair of keys. Leave any other keys inside. The home has got fresh, brand new locks included prior to the tenant moving in. You could do it that way in a no-touch world. What we've done historically, and maybe we'll modify this, historically, we let the tenant move in via lockbox. They can potentially pay a fee for this. Then we do a move-in orientation. So one of my team members goes to the home directly. They swap out the locks. They don't change the locks. Changing locks entails that you get inside the pins of the locks and you change the interior of that actual locking mechanism. We don't do that. We just swap handles out. We swap door handles out, change the filters, do a move-in orientation, show them where the water softener is, show them where the air filters are, show them where the turnoffs are, show them where the GFCIs are. Uh, take pictures of the property with them, do the 360Z inspector tour with them. And that's our move-in orientation. We do that in person. But in today's no-touch world, now we're asking tenants to do this. There's software companies out there like Z Inspector. They have a app, like Pros has an app that essentially you give this to the tenant. The tenant downloads this to their Android and or iPhone, and the tenant does their own move-in inspection. Day one of the lease agreement, they go in and they fill in the, all the stuff in the application on their iPad, on their iPhone, on their Android. They take the pictures of the property. They make any comments they need to make, and that gets uploaded into your system. That replaces the old school move-in condition form, the inventory condition form of the move-in that we all give out. You know, the five, six-page form you give to the tenants to say, fill this in. Well, that was never very truthful to begin with because tenants, I've seen them do it. Day one of the move-in. They say dirty carpets, dirty walls, really. And then so what happens is that they move out and you charge them for dirty carpets and dirty walls. They go back to the move-in condition form and say, no, no, they were dirty when I moved in. See, see judge, see your honor. They were dirty when I moved in. This eliminates that. And I love it. And this is something that we've been doing not very long, but recently is we have the tenants do their own move-in orientation should they choose to do that. We still charge them for the move-in orientation fee but they can do it a couple of different ways. They can do it in person with our team. If they, if they don't want to do that because of the current state of the, the pandemic, 
we have them do the their old school, excuse me, the new school method of using their iPhone or Android and doing their own move-in orientation and giving us pictures of what they found. That does create work orders, but again, that's part of the process to move in. You want to get the tenants moved in, settled and happy. Happy moved in tenants, they pay rent on time and they renew. They renew. That's what you want. Got to set that good experience up front. Okay, good customer service. They do a, a, a self-assisted unaccompanied showing. That's great for them. They do an application online. That's very easy for them. They do a lease agreement via DocuSign or online. That's great for them. You do a move-in via lockbox. That's great for them. Just like an Airbnb or VRBO. That's great customer service in that way. All right, now repairs. So we have the no-touch environment. How are we doing repairs? There's no solution for that. Okay, they're going to have to get in there. You can have their vendors that you use or your team that you that you created. You can do all these precautions. They can wear boots and gloves and masks and all this other stuff. But essentially, you still have to go to the home to make repairs. And so there really is no solution for that. Periodical inspections. There's possibly a, a minor solution. And here's a couple ideas I have for you. If you have a periodical inspection, basically a renewal inspection coming up, maybe you want to give them that app link. They can do their own self-assisted show, uh, self-assisted uh, uh, inspection where they can take pictures of the home, picture, 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 and send it to you. Or why not have them shoot a video of the home? If you really want to ask them, hey, I'll give you a $50 discount on the renewal. If you do your own video of the home, I need it to be five minutes or longer. And so they can take an iPhone. They can walk through the home, do their own video. This is what my home looks like. These are my concerns. This is the upstairs, the downstairs, the backyard, the front yard, the fence. They can do all that stuff. You can give them instructions on how to do it. They can send that to you. And if all looks acceptable, you can execute a renewal without doing any sort of walkthrough. That could be a no-touch solution. Maybe it's right for you. Maybe it's not, but consider it. You'd have to put guidelines in place with your tenants. Say, I need you to do this, 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 and this. If you don't, we're not going to count it and we're not going to renew you, whatever. Or you give them the software to do it, and they do it themselves. That's a solution. We do the periodicals in person. We go out. We do the Z Inspector 360 camera. Uh, Pros is another great solution. You know, you could outsource this to a third party. They're going to come in and do all the precautions needed, the booties and masks and gloves and all that stuff. You know, whatever we're doing at the, the COVID-19 precautions at that point. That's for periodical inspections prior to renewal. And it might take you longer. So maybe instead of in the past world, you were doing 60 days out. Maybe you have to do 120 days out now because of working with the tenants and getting them to do some sort of renewal inspection with you. Point is, don't wait till the last minute. Don't wait till a week prior to lease end to say, oh, we need a, we need a self-assisted video from you before we're going to renew you. You know, try to, try to make them aware of these processes long ahead of time. We use BombBomb a lot. And so in the bomb bomb process on getting lease renewals, our portfolio managers will send a bomb bomb video to the app, excuse me, to the existing tenant, 30, 60, 90 days out, whatever your, your pace, your cadence is going to be to say, Hey, Mr. Tenant, this is Mr. Portfolio Manager from RentWorks. Uh, we need to work on your lease renewal. We need this, we need that. And we do that via bomb bomb video and it sends it to them in a video message, which is very powerful. It's much warmer than a very cold, detailed email. And so it puts a person to that, that message and it gets a lot better response. So maybe that's a softer way to approach these things because they may look at you and say, well, dang, you're being lazy. You don't want to come to my home. You want me to do my own video. How about I do my own inspections? 
And, you know, some tenants will be like that, but you have to kind of work with that in a no-touch world. All right, move out. So we've gotten through renewals. Okay, the tenant has gone through a renewal a year later. This is your current process for any notices to vacate you're giving. What we recommend for move out is really simple. This, again, old school, new school method. You basically have the tenant put all the keys, all the remotes on the kitchen table on, excuse me, there won't be a kitchen table, on the kitchen counter, and then take a picture of it and send that to your team via email. That way you have a documented, we are out of the home, here's the keys, here's the remotes, date, time stamped email that says they're gone. Okay, they vacate the home. Could they put the key in a lockbox? Absolutely. Maybe you post a lockbox, you know, day before, five days before move out, you post a lockbox to their hose bib or their front door and they put a key inside that lockbox or you retain a master key. That's up for your processes and procedures to figure out. But what we like to do is that lockbox move out. We can charge for it, hint, hint. Maybe you can charge a tenant for this, but it's a very convenient thing versus old school. You're dragging them to the office. You're taking the keys in at the office. You're saying, okay, you've turned in two keys and two remotes. Okay, here's your receipt. And then you put that in a folder and then you give that to the portfolio manager and they manage it from there. That's the old school method. A lot of people have been doing that for 100 years, 500 years. But a new school is say, leave it in the home, take a picture of it or five pictures of it. We don't care. Send us an email that says, one, you vacated. And two, here's all the things that I left on the counter that belong to the home. I'm out. Then you know you can go do your inspections. You go access the home, do a home inspection of a vacant property. And now you start the whole process again. Security deposits, finalization of that. We do via mail. You could do it via ACH. You could do it via wire. I mean, whatever you want to do in the security deposits. We typically do it all via mail, old school mail, because we don't want to do it email because it's too easy for them to fire back a response that says, uh, we don't like you because you charge us $10 for uh, you know, leaving a hole in the wall, whatever. We don't give them the opportunity to retort or reply via email because it's just too easy, right? So what we do is we send them everything in writing via mail to include the check and or to include the free, the freed up obligo that has been at that point. And then if they want to go ahead and refute the security deposit directly with us, we make them fill out a form and we make them provide evidence. So they have to fill the form out, get that to us, provide evidence. And then we take a look at it in a committee and decide if there's anything that needs to be given back. That's how you perform security deposits at the end of the lease agreement. Uh, also, you want to document everything. So when we do our move outs, we do a Z inspector move out inspection with our manager's rekeep program. And we can provide that to the tenants at their request. We can give them all the information. We can give them the move out video. You know, one of the other methods that we've been using, and I really, really recommend this, is you can create a, for, a folder on your website. So in your written letter, it says, go to our website, rentworks.com slash one, two, three, four, five, six. And your password is your home address. So they go to that URL link, they go into their home address, they enter in the password, they get to a page where you could dump hundreds of documents. You could dump the inspection, you can dump the video, you can dump the work orders, you can dump the receipts, you can dump all kinds of things in there that you just couldn't do via mail. Because a lot of these inspections are 25 pages long with 200 photos. But you can do that if you upload it to a website and you send them to a website. Now, that's complicated stuff, gang. That's not easy to do. That's what we have done in the past, but still works for us because the end of that, it, it eliminates what Harry Heist would call 
95% of the property management company's litigation problems are always going to be involved around a security deposit. So you have to figure out methods to eliminate the comebacks, eliminate the, the complaints, eliminate the issues. Bad reviews and security deposit complaints and lawsuits all happen around that issue of finalizing that security deposit. So maybe you want to go over the top. How does that deal in a no-touch world? Well, it's just kind of basic you know, common sense procedures, but tying into the lockbox move out, make them do that for you because that's written notice that they vacated the property. And if they don't do it, you may end up having to charge them holdover days, right? Because you would do the same thing if they didn't turn the keys in. You charge them holdover days, which will go out in their security deposit itemization, which they may complain about. So, I mean, hear me out. So let's say they vacate April 30th, but they didn't send you anything. So come the weekend and then come May 1st, you know, maybe, maybe it's May 3rd on a Monday, May 3rd after the weekend, you send them an email or text and say, Hey, or, did you move out? Oh yeah. I forgot to send you the email. Okay. Well, we still have to charge you for the two extra days that you stayed in the home because we don't know if you stayed in the home. We don't know what you were doing. You don't know if you're a holdover tenant, but when they send you that email, there's a date time stamp for that lockbox move out. Okay, gang. Wrapping this up, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Property Manager Mastermind Show, episode number 97 here, talking about dealing with leasing in a no-touch world through the pandemic. Hope you enjoyed. Take care and so long. With Brent Bridges' property management, marketing, and workflow automation tools, take your business to the next step. Reduce overhead costs by up to 60%. Eliminate human error through automation. Make all your processes consistent and predictable. Have transparency and control through detailed and sophisticated reporting. For property managers that want to work smarter, not harder, RentBridge. Call us 972-805-8535 or visit rentbridgegroup.com. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.